Good morning. It's good to be with you. Four Corners started a new tradition last night. We were over in Sydenham Methodist. Um, we had to move because the Harland and Wolf Welders Club double booked us. But we were in Sydenham Methodist at 7.30 and we discovered that Tommy Sands, our singer, thought it was next week. So Tommy left his house just at the moment we started the event and got there to finish up. So this morning, I left Moravian Church on the Cliftonville Road, just as the service started here, to get here to finish up. So that's how we're going to do it for the rest of the time. I hope you heard um, our worship band this morning, the other worship band, or one of the other worship bands, they were amazing on the radio service, and the the glee in their eyes when Brian Houston started to play guitar with them uh, was something to be cherished. Four Corners has begun, and on Friday night here, this place was literally jammed to the rafters. And uh, it was an amazing night. There were people here from Slovenia. There were people here from Switzerland, from Belgium. Somebody did the round trip from Cork on the night. Uh, People came from Cardiff, Edinburgh, Manchester, and various other places. There was a queue in the car park, and I thought we should have taken a photograph for our website that went round almost to the back door. It was wonderful, but the highlight of the night for me was a tweet later on that night which said, well, that event worked. I was baptized in Fitzroy 47 years ago, and that was the first time I was back. I thought, that's what Four Corners Festival is all about. And then yesterday afternoon, 50-plus knitters knitting the city together out here in the welcome area, and I'll tell you a secret. There was more hippies at the knitters group than there was at the rock gig on Friday night, I think. It's been so good so far, but not as good. Not as good. I was coming in this morning a little bit late and seeing so many of you coming in a wee bit late, leaving the house like Tommy Sands, and um, standing watching it on the screen outside as I got my first cup of coffee in the morning and um, looking and seeing Lids playing drums in the back with her four-corner sweatshirt. That was exciting for a moment. And then, then I saw it. Willie Otterson on bass guitar. Now that's the best moment of my weekend, and you know I've had a good one. And I don't even care if Spurs beat us this afternoon. That out does that. So it's been a busy week and I get a bit of panicky later in the week because I was preparing the service for this morning. I was preparing a few questions for that rock guy that was here on Friday night and I was thinking, got to get the sermon in as well. I've never been so thankful that the lectionary took me to two passages that are pretty well known, the Beatitudes and Micah chapter 6, and that it was Bragg's at weekend. So I thought, I have enough to say on that to keep us for a good long while. Brexit has been interesting, hasn't it? All those parties in the street, our our street was just bunkers. It was wall to wall, just party time. There was flags everywhere and everybody seemed so excited about it. It was so exciting that Brexiteers, including our first minister, didn't throw a party, but was on the late show on RTE at the moment of Brexit. And I'm glad about that. That seems an incredibly good move. Well done, Arlene Foster. And it was only a week before when Janice prayed for you in Clonard, and the results seemed to be there already. Leon Varadkar, talking on the radio just as I came down from the radio service, 
talking about getting rid of the nationalist bluster that we've had for the last two and a half years. That is good news. But I couldn't help tracing through our Facebook messages in Fitzroy this weekend. One of you put, sad day in work today. Tears in local government across Europe, including our office, LGA colleagues in Brussels office in bits, as friends from other European LGAs called in with presents to say goodbye. Or another of you who Facebooked, walk past the empty European Commission offices in Belfast this morning, feeling sad. Now, whether you're a Brexiteer or you're a proud Ramoner like I am, um, campaigning already that we would go back into Europe for biblical reasons, because I think for me the sadness is that in Revelation we see this kingdom of God coming together incrementally where nations of the earth get over their differences and their wars and they come around the throne as all nations. I feel personally, spiritually this morning, that we are less of the kingdom of God since mid or 11 o'clock on Friday night. But that's only my opinion. Some of you voted for Brexit. But whether you did or not, we are in uncertain, uncertain times. Five years ago, the Clonard Fitzroy Fellowship invited Mike Nesbitt to Clonard. We were on the Falls Road, as Clonard is, and most of the people in the room were from Clonard and from the Falls Road. And they said to Mike during the evening, Mike, the union is safe. There's not going to be United Ireland in our lifetimes. The Falls Road people were saying it, not those who voted for Mike. So it's safe, Mike. There's no chance of a United Ireland. So can we start talking about mental health and education? Well, this morning, of course, the union is far from safe. And things are incredibly uncertain. Never mind in the business community or wherever else. Never mind those who've lost their jobs and the offices that have closed and the relationships that are heartbroken. And there doesn't seem to have too much celebration about it. So what does the Christian do in such a world? Well, I think we've been saying over these last three years, we've been saying it certainly in the How to Read the Bible series, particularly over the last term. It seems that every time we got to a prophet or went through the minor prophets, that we were talking about a people who were wrapped up in a world where treaties and borders and nationality and war and change was all around them all the time. They were going off to Babylon and coming back from Babylon and all the treaties they were having were turning on them or were changing as they went and the people of God were still told to live in such a way. Build houses and settle down because you're not going anywhere fast. Wherever you are, there are things that you can do as the people of God. Which is why it's wonderful to have Micah chapter 6 as the lectionary reading. And it's the American reformed guys that do our lectionary. And who would they have known a couple of years ago that they got that reading and the Beatitudes on Brexit weekend. What we find here in Micah chapter 6, just briefly till we get to the text, we find that God has a case against his people in the first couple of verses. 
stand up and pleading my case before the mountains. God is something against the people. People in flux all the time. People in change politically all the time. But people with something that God demands of them all the time. He has a case against them. And then he tells them to remember. Remember what he's done for them. He takes them through a few of the things that he's done for them. What did I do that got you to not respond to me or not live the way I want you to live? Look what I've done for you. Then the people start to think, well, well, what could we do to appease God? Could we, could we pray more? Maybe we need more worship songs. Maybe we, maybe we need to sort out, you know, how we go through Lent. Maybe, maybe we're not reading the Bible enough. And then God gives them what he requires. That's a basic outline of what's going on here. And I suppose God does it to us. The people of Northern Ireland or the people of Belfast as Four Corners is so city-centric, or the people of Fitzroy over 200 years, almost 150 years in this particular building. Has he a case against us? What have we done during the Troubles, before the Troubles? What did we do 100 years ago when things were changing and the, city, the country was dividing up? How were the people of God in it? What were they doing to make a peaceful and prosperous country, nation in the change that was happening? How have we done through that century? How did we do in the 60s when some of us as Unionists and Protestants had more votes than our Catholic neighbours and when things were definitely discriminated against a good size of our community. How did we do? Would God have been happy with how we lived our lives? We'll find out when we come to what he requires of us, perhaps. And what had he done for us? What has God ever done for me? He became human. He lived among us. He was with us, as we learned week after week, last term. He gave himself for us was raised to life and ascended to the right hand of the father where he intercedes for us and looks out for us that's what God has done for us so what do we do for him do we always get back to where the people of God always went back to they always seem to get back to their religious rituals we need to worship more rams more rams more lambs more sacrifice better sacrifice purer sacrifice That's not what God was requiring. Of course, it drew me this week back to that passage in Amos. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Reverend Dr. Leslie Carl was speaking at our radio service. And she's talking about the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. And she was pointing out that Jesus doesn't say that it's about how many hours of the day you pray. Or how many worship songs you sing. Or how well you have your theological soundness. Or how pure your denomination is. Those are not the things that God requires of us what does he require of us what does he require of us I'm not getting warm I'm doing what we call a sermon striptease before your eyes because I want to tell you what God requires of us I want to show you what God requires of us and if there's only one thing you take away from this morning 
then it's these words. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. The only time I've walked away from the lantern in two years, I don't have a mic hooked up. Act justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly before your God. Act justly. If we look at the Old Testament leading up to Micah, if we look at what the justice of that is, it's not that we catch these guys and we put them behind bars. It's much, much more nuanced than that. Justice, it seems, in God's way of justice is to look after the outcast and the orphan and the widow and the stranger and the refugee. God wants equity with all people. He wants us to look at one another and see the wonder of our humanity. No matter what our color, no matter what our size, no matter what our gender, no matter what our religion. He wants us to see the humanity made in the image of God and each of us and to treat people in such a way. This is what we read time and time again in the New Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, love your neighbor, Jesus adds. We need to see what this justice is all about. And we need to ask, and I've touched on that already, where was that in our old Northern Ireland? Where is that in our current Northern Ireland? Where is that in our new United Kingdom independent from everybody else? Because look at us, we're better. Well, what I'm demanding from our we are better government is that the justice that God asks to flow like a never-failing stream will be the result of this Brexit. That the least of all in our community will be those who see the benefit as much as those who campaign for it, who it wouldn't matter what country they lived in, they would be immune to it because of their wealth and their position and their power. In a changing world, and it has just changed, however it's changed, we might not know for a year or two, but it has changed. God asks us, the people of God, act justly. Act justly in every opportunity you have to act justly. To love mercy. Love mercy. Apparently in this, I'm always frightened with those who know their Hebrew better than I. If this was Neville, he would be reading it out in Hebrew. Uh, there seems to be a word called hesed, which means loyal love. A loving kindness. This is the mercy that God speaks about in his relationship with his people. A loyal love. A covenantal love. A loving kindness towards his people. How do you describe a loving kindness? A love loyalty. It would be easy for me, and you're in a bit of danger actually, because having had to... Um, uh, self-indulge in research over my interview with Gary uh, Lightbody on Friday night. You might be getting more snow patrol than you two for the next six months. You'll have to bear with that. But on Friday night, we had here Gary Lightbody sitting among us, an incredibly humble man. Wouldn't take any credit for anything I tried to push on him as he should take credit for. But we might get to that. He told a story that I think is a remarkable story. He was... At the end of his life, he literally told us on Friday night, he was in deep depression. He was drinking far too much and he had isolated himself to an apartment in LA. He hadn't read any texts or texted or emailed or connected with anybody for a few days. He said he was near the end. 
And he got a knock on his door. And he went to his door, probably against his better judgment at that point. But he went to his door and standing at the door outside his apartment were his band, Johnny, Johnny, Paul and Nathan. That doesn't seem remarkable until you realise that Nathan was probably coming from here, certainly from London with Johnny, and that the other Johnny was coming from somewhere else, and Paul was coming from Glasgow. But they all loved their mate, and they all decided he's in trouble. We haven't heard from him. So let's get on an aeroplane or aeroplanes and let's stand at his door. Isolation is the greatest disease in our community. The number of people in our welcome area yesterday that said to Janice or Roberta or Ruth from our committee, it's just good to be able to talk to somebody or to get out of the house. This is the great disease of our time. And this is a great resource to meet that need. Could our loving mercy be just opening this door into a welcome area a few mornings a week to let isolated people play drafts or connect four or read a paper and have somebody to talk to? Friday night again after Gary Lightbody. Some of you that I'm looking at right now were there for people. They wrote me emails and said, thanks to Denise and Valerie for spending time with me. Fitzroy, we're good at this. We do love mercy. We're good at welcoming people when they come in. But there's people that we have to find ways to get in or to connect with them. Because to love mercy is probably to meet the greatest need of the generation that we live in. We gotta act justly. And we gotta love mercy. And we gotta walk humbly before our God. The humility of the Gospels constantly, constantly challenges me in a world where you've got to sell yourself all the time. Send us a biog, Steve. We need a biog. So I get fed up with these biogs. They used to introduce you. Steve Stockman, radio presenter, world authority, and you too. I mean, really? I used to put on it, and they didn't like it, but I used to put on it. Crap husband, struggling father, and dabbling with ministry, and really just blessed that God has given me the ability to come here tonight and talk to you. But you've got to sell yourself. Got to tell them how many books you sold. Got to tell people how amazing you are. Got to tell them, I interviewed Gary Lightbody. That's the world that we have out there, but it's not the world that we're called to live. John Smith came to Dublin. He was a, an Australian biker. Um, he said the only concession he had to trendiness when he was 28 was a stripe in his tie. And then at 28, he became a biker because he wanted to reach the isolated. He was a Methodist preacher. And he got to know loads of people, and he got to know you too. And so he came to stay with us in Dublin for a few days. He came to stay with me, and Janice came down to help him because if he'd stayed with me, he was going to starve. So we weren't married at the time, and Janice came down for a few days just to feed John Smith. And, uh, uh, and we, we, would, we would find it tricky with John because you would leave him places and then he would never turn up when you were supposed to meet him. So I left him off one morning to meet you too. 
left him off actually at the opening of their uh, nightclub one night and off he went into the the, the crowds and um, and he said I'm, I'm going to meet the boys tomorrow so I said that's okay I'll leave you in town you can meet them go to the hotel meet them there I'll pick you up here when I come back he was going to speak somewhere but was John could, could it be anywhere to be found couldn't find him anywhere and so I thought I better walk around and see if I can find him or maybe he's lost maybe he's got the wrong shop and I was lucky because I looked down and there he was sitting beside this homeless guy. He just spent time with you two in the top hotel in Dublin. But when I met him, he was sharing a KFC with a homeless guy. And when we get into the car, he wasn't talking to me about Bono or the Edge. He was talking to me about the homeless guy. And two days later, we left him off around the same area, not in the same shop, but the same area. And sure enough, I couldn't find him again. So I knew what I had to do. I had to find the homeless guy. And sure enough, when I found the homeless guy, I found John sitting beside him again. Walk humbly. Act justly. Love mercy. It changes the world. And that's what God requires. That's what God requires. We spend so much of our time on sound theology. And we spend so much of our time on religiosity. And God just asks us to act. Now wait a minute. He doesn't only ask us to act. There's nowhere where Micah tells us off for praying. And there's nowhere where Micah tells them off for sacrifices. And there's nowhere where Micah tells us off for thinking through theology. What he tells the people off for is when they make that the thing. My only way to describe it is this. As human beings... I breathe. At least I hope I do every morning. I eat. Too much, you might be saying. I drink. Water if I'm healthy. But here's the thing. I wasn't born to breathe or eat or drink water. I was born for 1010. Life in all its fullness. I was born to do other things. They're the important things. They are what life is. But if I stopped breathing, and I stopped eating, and I stopped drinking water, I wouldn't be able to live. And so this morning I want us to get it. This is the living. Yes, it's 68. Somebody born on the 6th of August? You lucky people. Imagine if you were a 68 person. Well, I get 1010. Life in all its fullness. Oh, to be born on the 6th of August but of course if you're American then you can try the 8th of June we need to live this Micah 6 verse 8 that is life in its fullness but if we don't pray if we don't read and connect with God and have a relationship then we're not going to be able to live the life but let's get the priorities of that right God's not so interested in our outward rituals. He's interested in inner character. Matthew 5. The Beatitudes that we had read this morning. Micah 6 and 8. Micah 6 and 8. Let's be the people who do what God requires in Brexit, in Northern Ireland, if there should be a United Ireland, Whatever on earth is going to happen in all of that political stuff, 
and it's important and we should be involved with it. And forgive me for being political, but at the radio service, I said to my MP who was there, I'm very proud of our new MP. Oh, I'm interested in that stuff. But the key stuff in the midst of it all is Micah 6 and 8. Let's be those who act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God. Let's pray together. Lord, we're aware of the change around us, the uncertainty, the questions. What will it mean? What passports? What goods are going to get targeted at what borders? Is there going to be trouble over the borders? Is there going to be a closed border? How are we going to relate to Europe? How are we going to relate to the Republic of Ireland? How are we going to relate within the four countries of the United Kingdom? Lord, there is so much uncertainty, but in the midst of it, we have your word, and we have you, and we have faith, and we have this life that you require of us that impacts the world around us no matter what the border or the flag or the government. Lord, by your spirit, by your spirit, give us courage, insight and wisdom that we might act justly, love mercy and walk humbly before our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.